Hey, hey, hey. My name's Wes, and my pronouns are he, him, and they. And this is the Snatched Podcast. podcast is intended to entertain and educate the community on issues and topics revolving around HIV and people living with HIV. Our goal is to normalize talking about HIV, educate in the areas of HIV care and prevention, as well as empower those living with HIV that there is life after a diagnosis. Everyone at Vibin Health is committed to preventing the spread of HIV and getting those living with HIV the correct care. Today is a very, very special day because today we are going to be discussing World AIDS Day. Let's talk a little bit about the history of World AIDS Day and why it's important. World AIDS Day takes place on December 1st every year. It's an opportunity for people nationwide to unite the fight against HIV, to show support for people living with HIV, and to continue to commemorate those who have died from AIDS-related illnesses. Why is World AIDS Day so important, and why do we recognize it every year? Despite the virus only being identified in 1984, more than 35 million people have died of HIV or AIDS-related illnesses, making it one of the most destructive pandemics in history. Today, scientific advances have been made in HIV treatment. There are laws to protect people living with HIV, and we understand so much more about the condition. Despite this... Each year in the U.S., 55,000 people approximately are diagnosed with HIV. People do not know the facts on how to protect themselves and others, and stigma and discrimination remain a reality for many people. World AIDS Day is important because it reminds the public and the government that HIV has not gone away. There's still a vital need to raise money, increase awareness, fight prejudice, and improve education. World AIDS Day is an opportunity to show solidarity with the millions of people living with HIV worldwide, Most people do this by wearing an HIV awareness red ribbon on the day. Support organizations and businesses that donate to HIV research as well as HIV care and prevention. There are several organizations that participate in giving back. You could also consider reaching out to someone you know who's affected by the virus. Share some kind words, take them to dinner. Goal of taking somebody who's affected by HIV to dinner or to share some kind words is not to remind them about how the virus affects their life in a negative way, but to help reduce the stigma and remind them that they're human first and should not be discredited solely based on their status or experience. Other ways that you can celebrate World AIDS Day is knowing your status. Here at Vibin Health, we believe that knowing your status is sexy AF. Getting tested is the only way to find out that you have HIV. The CDC recommends that adults between the ages of 13 and 64 get tested for HIV at least once in their lifetime as part of routine health care. They also recommend that people who have a higher risk of contracting get tested annually and sometimes even quarterly. Being a quote-unquote higher risk does not assume that you are engaging in risky behavior. It just takes into consideration who you're having sex with and how you're having sex. Men who have sex with other men are most at risk for contracting the virus. Remember, HIV is a sexually transmitted disease. HIV is not a gay disease. It is transmitted by coming into contact with a certain body fluids from a person who has a detectable viral load. Those body fluids are blood, semen, and pre-seminal fluid, rectal fluids, vaginal fluids, and breast milk. For transmission to occur, the HIV fluids must get into the bloodstream of an HIV-negative person through the rectum, vagina, mouth, tip of penis, or open cuts and sores. 
It can also be administered through a direct injection from a needle. I know that we talk about this information a lot, but any chance I can get to clarify how HIV is contracted, I'm going to do it. Here at Vivant Health, we have a goal of a world without AIDS. We work every day to ensure that we're doing all we can to make that goal. If you need to get tested or know someone who needs to get tested, you can go to our website, www.vivanthealth.org. Follow the prompts to create a testing appointment. If you're not near Vivant Health, you can visit our online Vivant Health store and order at-home test kits as well as condoms and lube. You can order up to 20 items monthly and it's all free. Let's say you aren't near a Vivant Health location and you would rather not do an at-home test. You can go to a doctor, urgent care, or find a local clinic or medical home that offers testing. If you need assistance finding a testing location, call 314-333-6667 and we will assist in finding a location that works best for you. Other ways you can get involved with World AIDS Day is consider fundraising. It doesn't need to be World AIDS Day to make sense to hold a fundraiser. Every day, organizations like Vivant Health are doing the work and they are always in need of funding. Fundraising does not have to be huge sums of money all at one time, although wouldn't that be great? It could be as simple as selling red ribbons to your friends or coworkers. Let's talk specifically about what's happening here in St. Louis on December 1st to celebrate the day. Here with me to talk more about the St. Louis area World AIDS Day activities is Lawrence. Lawrence is the Director of Prevention for Project ARC in the SPOT at Washington University School of Medicine. Lawrence and I are part of a subcommittee here in St. Louis as well, and we focus on planning and reviewing HIV strategies in the St. Louis region. We develop and enhance community mobilization and engagement activities, as well as supporting the professional development for our committee members. Our main area of focus is how we best connect with, engage with testing services, and care for men who have sex with other men. Hey, Lawrence, how we doing? Doing pretty good, and yourself? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. I know you have a million things going on, and I'm happy it worked out for us to be able to sit down and chat. Today, we're talking about World AIDS Day. Why is it important and how can people get involved are questions that I have. But first, tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm Lawrence. I guess the first thing my husband will want me to say is that I have a husband. Uh, (laughs) They always want you to say that. (laughs) We have been together happily six years now, married. Congratulations. Thank you. So you work for um, Project ARC and The Spot. Yes, that's correct. How long have you been working there? I've been there now, this time around, 14 years. So my coworkers were sharing with me just kind of how uh, much of a legend you are here in St. Louis. So like brag on yourself for a little bit. Tell me, tell me, tell me your story. How did you get into HIV care and prevention? What fuels it for you? Why is it passionate for you? Yeah, um, I actually got started as a peer educator in 98. Did that work for about three or four years while I went to grad school. Started grad school in 2001 and then graduated in 2003. So I guess I did it for five years. Okay. Um, Then I had the opportunity to do some work around the country, um, doing HIV prevention-related work, sexual health work, and then came back to St. Louis in 2008 to help open the spot, which is our dropping youth center and clinic. That's how I wound up being here. Awesome. It's a long story, um, but it is um, an adventure all the same. I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, so talk to me. Um, you mentioned a little bit the spot is youth and service. What, yes. what sort of services does the spot offer? The spot offers free HIV STI testing, medical services, um, including STI treatment, birth control, psychiatry, counseling services, case management services, 
And pre-COVID, we had a drop-in program where people would just come in, get something to eat, do laundry, um, just kind of hang out if they would like to. Um, we're still trying to figure out how to reincorporate those activities since COVID. Sure, absolutely. Not just for HIV care and prevention, but really just for making sure that people have the services that they need to be successful in life. Yes, we really took the spot as an opportunity to challenge what the experts call social determinants of health. Yeah. We really wanted to look at what are the things that keep fueling um, young people's vulnerability for HIV and STI and unplanned pregnancy. Having access to medical care was one of those areas, and having access to supportive behavioral health services was the other. We worked together to try bring that together, and our medical director, Dr. Katie Plax, and executive director, Kim Donica, were able to bring it all together at the end of 2007, and then we actually opened our doors in 2008. Awesome. Free, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, so your services are free to yes. those, but there is age restrictions on it. Not restrictions, but there's like an age window that you Yes, serve. for the spot. Um, mm-hmm. It is a youth program, so 13 to 24. Okay. Um, but Project ARC serves all ages. Okay. So, um, if you can't get tested in the spot, we'll definitely make sure you get tested where you need to. Okay, so the, the spot is like a um, sister program of the ARC that focuses on the 13 to 24 age range, but Project ARC would take anybody else after that? Yes, that's part, kind of. Of, that's part of it. Project ARC is a really a larger collaborative of programs of Washington University School of Medicine. We focus on HIV prevention, care, and treatment. We really do the entire um, prevention and care cascade, if you will. Yeah. We have our testing services and outreach services that I'm over. And then we have our care services where we have clinics on the med school campus, Washington School of Medicine campus, as well as at Children's Hospital. We serve, I think, we serve about the numbers somewhere near 3,000 individuals living with HIV, and we help coordinate testing for about 20,000 people a year. That's impressive. That's very cool. So we actually, our subcommittee met earlier this week, and we were talking about World AIDS Day. I did like a little bit of a review on it early in the episode. I kind of want to hear it from you. You've been working in this field for, Mm -hmm. for a long time, you know, so why is it important to the community? Why do we celebrate every year? Or why do we recognize this every year? Yeah, I think it is important to recognize and celebrate World AIDS Day. It is definitely a moment of reflection to honor those who we lost early in the epidemic. We have about 1.2 million people living with HIV. And if I remember right, about 500,000 have actually passed as a result of mm-hmm. HIV infection over the years. So that's a lot of lives impacted If we looked at those who have passed and currently living, we're looking at almost 2 million or more people impacted. My numbers might be a little bit off, but not by much. I mean, Uh, it's pretty impressive that you have them off the top of your head. He has no notes, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, (laughs) days and thems. There are no notes. (laughs) But it's a moment to reflect. In that reflection, we recall how much work went into the early days of HIV the mobilization, the arts, the campaigns, the school board meetings, the 
presentations to Congress. There was so much that got us to the platform that we are at today. It's important to recognize that history. And the advocacy for the lives. advocacy, absolutely. Yes, that's what strikes home for me the most is World AIDS Day. You know, we're, we're recognizing it, we're celebrating we're remembering. Um, but even just thinking about, like, the work we're doing now, like, it's funded. You know, mm-hmm. but, like, early days of the HIV outbreaks, it's... It was all volunteer. It was passion. Yes. It was people like you, and it was people like Lee, and it was community leaders that said, enough is enough, and I'm just going to start advocating for my community because I'm tired of losing them. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is really inspiring because it takes more than just a passion, an idea, and a thought to make a movement happen. Absolutely. And this movement happened completely unfunded and without government support. <laughs> for many years. For many years, yeah. The government did eventually come around with both care and prevention resources. But I think it's also interesting, I've been listening to some other radio stations and they talk about how... What are you listening to? Oh, I just listen to like NPR. Okay. But they were talking about how government employees really are the ones who keep the guardrails up. (laughs) And there were people in those early years of the epidemic that were trying to, even within the government, say, we have to do something about this before it gets completely out of control. Yeah. Um, I remember looking back at some of the old CDC MMWRs, um, which are the... Um, I know, I was going to say, don't talk in code, because... <laughs> yeah, the Morbidity Mortality Weekly Reports. Uh-huh. Even in those early documents, we saw disparities... Um, among people living with HIV with regards to race, gender, sexual orientation, but no one was talking about it yet. But the data was already there. Um, we have Because we didn't have those advocates yet. Yes. We didn't have those people that are recognizing, calling it out, and doing the work. Absolutely. We also had some prevention people that were like, you know, if we do a mailing to everyone in the country to let them know about HIV, it would cost this much money, which in today's dollars would have been like a stamp for everybody in the country to have accurate information about HIV. From the government. From the government. That didn't happen. Right. There were people that pushed for it to, to happen. So I give credit to where it's due. There were people inside who were trying to right the ship early on, but they can only do what they can do because... It is our elected officials right. that we have to rely upon. can only do so much. But that's just my plug. If you are able to vote, voting is yeah. coming up very soon. Yes. That's why it's important to vote in every election, local and nationally. Yeah, we have to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and the things that are important to us are important to the people that we're putting in office. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, always, I'm often reminded of a clip that I found when I first started working in HIV care and prevention. But before that, I only knew what I knew from being in the community. So I'm, I was learning. I was doing a ton of research. And I found a clip from the White House press secretary when they were first discussing AIDS at the time, which is how they were referencing it. And it was almost like they were in a frat house like lounge room Mm. And the press secretary is talking and the reporters are talking and they're kind of going back and forth and they're joking about it, like it being a gay disease. Um, Does anybody in the White House have the gay disease? And the press secretary just kind of like chuckles and laughs and says, oh, no, no, nobody here has this disease, you know, or whatever. And it was just so obvious that 
they didn't know how intense it was mm-hmm. or they were ignoring it. Um, but that, but also that just, it didn't affect them. So they didn't care, yes. which is another reason why we have to put people into office that uh, are, that are going to care about the things that are important to you or that look like you or represent the things mm-hmm. that you represent. Because if you're just putting somebody in office that went to school and is well-funded, they may not think about your needs that you that you specifically need to live your life to your fullest. So I'm always reminded of that. I will, I'll send you that link. Cause for me, it may be very angry, but then also passionate at the same time. It just was triggering. (laughs) It it definitely was triggering. I'm sure. But I will also say that HIV is one of the first moments where we really also began to have any conversation about gay men's health. Yeah. Yeah. Prior to the HIV epidemic, there was just the slanderous news coverage about the homosexuals. Right. Um, They're marching for whatever they're marching for. Very dismissive things that were happening in the 60s and 70s. But it wasn't until um, we looked at HIV that we actually had a national conversation started that, though dismissive, actually said gay men and health (laughs) in the same sentence in the same sentence (laughs) and try to make sure that we were doing something to enhance the lives of this population it was also the first time we started really looking at and talking about racial disparities we would eventually come out with language around social determinants of health we would talk about how medications operated differently based on gender and race. The HIV movement was really one of activism at all levels of care, from awareness and information to NIH, where the medications actually got reviewed and FDA, where they were approved. So it was a very, very active time. Absolutely. Talking about World AIDS Day, if somebody here in St. Louis is interested in taking part of celebrating, recognizing the day, what do we have going on here in St. Louis that they could get involved with? There's a couple of different things happening throughout the region, but one of the primary events that we're supporting, one is called A Day Without Art. It is in collaboration with the Contemporary Arts Museum of St. Louis, and it will be on Thursday, December 1st from 6 to 8 p.m. at Contemporary Arts Museum or the CAM. And we're going to have a discussion and video watch party, if you will, of very short movies where it looks at um, the experiences of, and the theme this year is of being and belonging for people living with HIV. Um, So we're happy to partner with the Contemporary Arts Museum again this year to bring that together. We're also partnering with the Women's Subcommittee to host an event that I don't have the details on. But if you have a chance to post a a note about it after this post, I'd be happy to get that to you. But the Women's Subcommittee is also working on a project that's going to lift up the experiences of women living with HIV and women who have a vulnerability for HIV as well. So cool. I mean, yeah, because it's not just affected affecting men. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I also love the day without art. 
And I think um, if you're interested, and I don't know if you've seen it yet, but one of the new campaigns is actually Work of Art, where it actually has people living with HIV talking about their experiences of taking antiretroviral therapy, and they're calling it a work of art. That's very cool. I'm definitely going to look into that, and I will post the links in the um, description as well, too. That way other people can see that as well, too. Also, so Williams & Associates, it's another organization here in St. Yes. Louis that does great HIV prevention and care work. Um, they have a grand opening event because they have a new facility off South Grand, so they're mm-hmm. going to be announcing that soon as well, too. December 2nd, there's going to be a World AIDS Day Ball that Community Wellness Project, or CWP, will be hosting at Harris-Stowe State University. There's the City of Lights in Belleville that... Um, um, WPT. Thank you. WPT is doing yes. as well, too. Um, and then also, Vivant, we are going to be testing at all of the St. Louis Community College locations that day as well, too. Excellent. So we'll be at all four at the same time, boots on the ground, getting some tests. Another area of focus for World AIDS Day is getting tested and yes. knowing your status. Absolutely. and. You know, getting past the stigma of getting tested or just making a part of your routine or explaining to people that you don't have to be wildly promiscuous to get tested on a regular basis. So for St. Louis, if you had a dream, knowing the events that are happening and where we're going to be testing, what would be your goal for the St. Louis community to do for how many tests that we should do that day? In one year, we actually had a campaign to try and get into a record book for the number of HIV tests coordinated in a region. But, of course, a European city um, beat us that year because I think they were able to do like 5,000 tests in a day. Wow. Yes. What are they doing? Should we be replicating what they're doing? (laughs) Well, the big piece there, I think it was, it may have been in London. They have a large network of publicly funded clinics. Mm -hmm. They have a much greater kind of community presence and marketing that comes from the government itself. Yeah. They were really able to leverage a lot of resources and connect with the community to see who needed to be reached and who could help them meet that goal as well. So Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's always great having the support of the government behind you. <laughs> yeah, great to have the support of the government, but this is a partnership. We have to be able to have community, government, and other stakeholders working together if we're going to do anything about this. And this is another reason I think World AIDS Day is important because it gives us a moment to stop and pause and say, are we still on the right trajectory? Mm -hmm. Are we still doing the right work? Same right work. You got it. Yep. So um, I will scale that question back a little bit for the spot. Yes. Do you have a goal for tests that you would like to see happen for um, World AIDS Day? I think if we could get between 30 and 50 tests, that would be amazing. Absolutely. When I think about what our mission is, it's about um, supporting health and decreasing health disparities with regards to HIV. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're definitely in the health business. Yeah. We're definitely in the wellness business. And it's important for everyone who's listening to know that you can have health and wellness and be living with HIV, and you can have health and wellness not living with HIV, but it is a process that you have to work on. Correct. And your health and happiness, whether you're living with HIV or not, is really on you. Yes. 
we're here when working with our organizations to help provide the resources to make sure that it's as easy as possible for somebody who's living with HIV to get what they need so they can focus on their life and not their diagnosis. Absolutely. So um, I really appreciate you saying that. I like the way you said that. Lawrence, thank you so much for, for your passion and dedication to a world without AIDS and for taking the time to talk with me today. The work that you do is making a real impact in the St. Louis community, and that is something that you should be very proud of, um, you and your team. Before I let you skate out of here, I got to know, in the past years, we've seen a better and healthier representation of LGBTQIA plus people in TV and film. What have you seen that you really like or love? I'll start. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you time to think. Uh, I don't know if you're watching it yet, but this most recent season of American Horror Story in New York, mm -hmm. um, or NYC, it follows a serial killer, obviously. It's American Horror Story. But um, it's set in New York, and it's centered around gay men who um, are being like pinpointed and murdered. But it also, um, the last episode that I just watched, and I apologize for any spoilers, um, people in the gay community are coming out with rash outbreaks, and they have no idea what's causing it, and the doctors don't know how to treat it. And so the way it ended is a character actually walks in, pulls up his arm and says, I have this rash and I can't get rid of it, mm -hmm. um, which this character is also we're made to believe that they are the serial killer. Mm. So not only is the serial killer having sex with people and passing on to what, in my eyes, is a great parallel to HIV, because it's also set in the 80s. Mm. Um, so it's a really great parallel to gay men are having this thing happen to them. They don't know what's going on. Doctors don't know what to do. It's being kind of pushed under the rug. So like what we were talking about, it is very, very like parallel yes. to that. Um, so I'm actually really interested to keep watching it to see what happens. I'm not a scary movie person. I don't like it. It's not my jam. But I was definitely intrigued and I'm still going to keep watching because not only do the producers of American Horror Story do a really great job having gay characters and it not being an issue that they're gay and not having to explain them or do a coming out story. They're just gay mm -hmm. um, or queer or, you know, however they identify. So I love that about it. But then at the same time, I was like, this is content that the world needs to see because mm -hmm. it is horrifying that we yes. didn't know what was going on and we didn't know what was happening. Um, so it's kind of like a cool shout out. So check it out if you haven't seen it already. Thank you. I still appreciate Pose. Absolutely. That was a very engaging series for me. and So feel good. Many times it was. Yeah. Um, I, I experienced a bit of an emotional roller coaster with Pose because there it was just raw and real. Yeah. Um, I don't think it felt um, disingenuous in any way. Thanks, Ryan Murphy. <laughs> and just finally got to watch Bros. It's on my list. Did you like it? I enjoyed it. No, I really found that it was a very good contemporary contemporaneous moment where a gay man was able to really just question his romance mm -hmm. without having to deal with all the trauma that typically um, engulfs and encircles the gay community in movie, film, and such. So I, it, it was a romantic comedy. It wasn't even a romantic drama. It really was a romantic comedy, which was refreshing to see. Which, and they just happen to be gay. My top current reigning is the scene in Love, Simon. 
where he tells his mom that he's gay. She says, you get to exhale now, Simon. You get to be more than you've been in a very long time. You deserve everything you want. They also talk about in that clip, you're still the person your dad relies on for everything. You're still the kid that makes me smile and make me laugh. Like none of that has changed. She recognizes that he had been stifling himself for a while and not able to truly, you know, be the best version of him. So it was really just like a green light for him to like really step out of his shell and be himself. And obviously the acting is amazing. So that one always gets me. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed Love, Simon, and the Hulu spinoff, Love, Victor. Oh, yes. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button to hear our upcoming episodes. You can find us on social media at Vivant Health Prevention STL. If you're feeling inspired about the work that Vibin Health is doing, you can go hit the blue Donate Now button near the top right corner to ensure that these programs stay funded and the community is getting the care that they need. You can come work with us or volunteer with us. Visit our website, vibanthealth.org, and follow the prompts to get involved. Huge shout out to Lawrence for taking the time to come speak with us today. And until next time, remember, knowing, knowing your, your status, status is, is sexy. sexy.